quick review. Uh, in chapter 25, we saw the death of Abraham. Uh, we covered the descendants of Isaac, uh, I mean Ishmael, and we also uh, covered Isaac and his sons. <clears throat> so now we are going to be in chapter number 26 today. Verse number one, and there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in uh, the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. <clears throat> so this first famine that it was talking about uh, just clarified that this is a different famine. Uh, the first famine was back in chapter number 12. Um, <clears throat> we saw that in uh, chapter 12, uh, verse number 10. Uh, so it, we're just making a distinction that this is a different um, <clears throat> uh, famine altogether. Now, in the notes, uh, I have a quote here from Charles Ryrie. Abimelech is a dynastic title, such as Pharaoh. Dynastic means uh, like a dynasty. <clears throat> uh, because this occurred 97 years later, the Abimelech mentioned here was probably not the same person that Abraham uh, lied to in chapter number 20. <clears throat> so we know that in chapter, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 12, uh, or I mean chapter 20 was the other Abimelech. Um, if you'll remember, Abraham lied to Abimelech and said that uh, Sarah was his sister. So this Abimelech here is named again, but uh, Abimelech is uh, not a person's name, but it's a title like Pharaoh. What we would think of, the easiest thing for us to relate that to would be president. So the, the person that was called president 50 years ago is not the person that was called president today. Uh, the person that was called president four years ago is not the person that's the president today. So uh, just understand that when you see the word Pharaoh, that's a title, not a person's personal name. And Abimelech is the same. Um, <clears throat> he was actually the king of the Philistines. And of course, we'll you know, know there's a lot more to do with the Philistines. Uh, with Samson and, and all that kind of stuff, but this is uh, much earlier than that. So verse number two, And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt, dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. So Isaac had decided apparently to go down to Egypt uh, to escape the famine, just like Abraham did in chapter number 12. So this is once again referring to this is a different uh, in verse number one, they call out that this is a different famine. And in verse, in chapter 12, I mean, in verse number 10, uh, Abraham went down into Egypt to escape the famine. But the Lord appeared unto uh, Isaac here and told him not to go down to Egypt, but to stay in this land which he would tell thee of. In verse three, he said, Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and I will bless thee. For unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. And then he says what that oath was. And I will make thy seed 
uh, to multiply as the stars of heaven. And I will give unto thy seed all these countries and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Now there's a lot in those uh, two verses there. First of all, where it says that in thy seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, that's speaking of the coming Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, because he was uh, born in the seed of Abraham uh, and, and through Isaac and ultimately through Jacob. So anytime you see here in the Old Testament where it says, all the, through thy seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, he's talking about that Jesus Christ is going to be one of his descendants. Um, but going back uh, into verse number three, he gives Isaac a promise. He said, I will be with thee and will bless thee uh, for unto thy seed I will give all these countries and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham. So this is really important uh, because remember we've talked several times about the Muslims and how Muhammad was a descendant of Ishmael and they believe in the same God. They believe in the same promise, the same covenant. They believe in the promised land. They believe all that stuff, but they believe that it, that it flowed through Ishmael because he was the firstborn. Well, we have seen several times now in the book of Genesis where God specifically said that the covenant, the promise that he made to Abraham would not go to Ishmael, but would go through Isaac. We saw that first in Genesis chapter 12, verse 19 through 21. So let me go back real quick. I'm sorry, chapter 17, verse 19 through 21. And he said, and God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget <clears throat> and I will make him a great nation. In verse 21, but my covenant will I establish with Isaac which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. So God made it perfectly clear that Ishmael was not going to be the uh, son that the covenant or the promises to Abraham would flow through. And then we see it again in chapter number 21, verse number 12. <clears throat> and God said unto Abraham... Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman and all that Sarah said unto thee, hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac shall thy seed be called. This is when uh, Sarah said, uh, cast this bondwoman out because her son shall not be heir with my son. And then God told Abraham, don't let that grieve you because of the lad because the covenant is not with Ishmael, it is with Isaac. Now we see that here yet a third time, but this time God tells that specifically to Isaac himself. So we can see that uh, multiple times in scripture that the covenant, that the promised covenant to Abraham went through Isaac and not through uh, Ishmael. Now later on, uh, we're going to see that God carries that covenant down. 
because Isaac had two sons, Esau and Jacob, and we will see later that God makes it clear that that covenant does not go to Esau, who was the firstborn, but to Jacob. Uh, and it's through Jacob that we get the children of Israel and the nation of Israel and all the Jews are all descendants uh, from Jacob. So that's what, how we know that the Bible is very specific and very clear about not only what God's promise was, but that covenant, but then where that covenant, how it flowed through the genealogies. Um, and he says, I will give these countries and I will perform the oath. Now, what countries is he talking about? Well, we've, we've talked about that a little bit before, that the promised land went from the river Egypt, so the Nile River, all the way over to the river Euphrates. And uh, the river Euphrates basically goes down and splits Iraq right down the middle. So the eastern part of Iraq, all of Syria, Lebanon, Jordan, present-day Israel, a big part of Saudi Arabia and a part of Egypt all is where the promised land is. So all that was promised to Abraham, which went through Isaac, which then goes to Jacob. And we know that that is the land that was promised to uh, the Jews and to the children of Israel. And then in verse four, he once again just says what that covenant is. Multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven, give all these countries, and all, that, that, uh, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Now, verse number five, because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my covenants, my statutes, and my laws. Now, what in the world does that mean? Well, what that means is where God says to Isaac, I am going to bless you, and I'm going to, he said, I will be with you. That's what he told Isaac. He, he, he made sure Isaac knew that God said, I will be with you. And God made the same promise to us, didn't he? He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. He said he'd go with us all the way even until the end of the world. Well, he made that, that uh, promise to Isaac as well. Now, this is important to notice. When, when he made that promise to Isaac, he said, I will be with you and I will bless you. He never said because you are such a godly man that loves me so much. That's not what he said to Isaac. What he said to Isaac in verse number five, why is he going to bless him? Because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So why is Isaac blessed? Because Abraham feared God and Abraham served God. And Isaac is blessed because of the life and the commitment that Abraham <clears throat> made to God. Now, in the notes, it says God tells Isaac that one reason he was being blessed was because of the faithfulness of his father, Abraham. God had promised the blessings of the covenant to Abraham's descendants, but God wanted to make sure that he recognized Abraham's faithfulness and obedience. And here's the thing, the lives of parents can either bring blessings or hardships to the lives of their children. Anytime that I have ever thought about quitting on God or quitting church or giving up or whatever, what God has reminded me of, if I quit and I give up, 
I could actually be bringing hardship onto my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. So whatever, whatever we have to tell ourselves to stay true and stay faithful to God. I don't serve God out of fear. I don't serve God because I'm afraid if I don't, he's going to get me. Now, he will, right? He says, those whom I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. But I serve God because I love him, because I want to. But one of the benefits that come with that is that my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren, if I ever have any grandchildren, will be blessed because of the life that I live. But they can also be cursed because of the life that I live. So that's that's a great, huge weight that as parents we have to... Bear. Now, where do we get that from? Numbers chapter 14, verse 18. He said, the Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy. Now, I want to stop right there. Long-suffering, what that means is, is it means that he suffers for a long time. So what that means is, is he suffers because of you and I, but he suffers it for a long time. He puts up, he has patience with us and he puts up with us. He says, the Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and the fourth generation. So if somebody says, and we've all heard it, we've all heard somebody get out of church, they quit on God, whatever, and they say, what I do doesn't affect anybody but myself. Well, if you have children, that's incorrect. Right. Because if we, if we commit iniquity, if we commit sin, and if we turn our back on God, God will hold not only us accountable, but the consequences of that will also affect our children, our, great, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, and so on and so forth. Now, Terry, why would God do that? You've got to understand, that's not really uh, God being vindictive. All right. So I want you to think about this. If I quit preaching. If I laid down my Bible and I said, I've had enough. The people down there at that church are getting on my nerves. I'm done. I quit. I'm not going to serve God anymore. And then I go out and I start cheating on my wife and I start getting drunk and I start taking drugs. Is that not going to affect the lives of my children? When they see their father do that, and not only that, but my children are grown children. What if I did that when they were still at home, when they were 14, 15, 16 years old? Do you realize that um, if, if a parent smokes, that their child is more likely to be a smoker? Why? Because that's, that's, the, that, that's what they see. That, that's the influence. Sometimes as a parent, we feel like we have no influence over our children at all. Because we tell them things and they ignore it. They don't listen. They do the opposite. We, is that not true? Sometimes we feel like I have no influence whatsoever. But what we have to realize is we have greater influence on our children than we could ever even imagine. And the thing about it is our children are not necessarily going to listen to what we say, especially when what we say is not backed up by what we do. A parent that smokes, and I, listen, I'm not against smoking. I'm just using an example. A parent that smokes that tells their children, you shouldn't smoke. Are the children going to listen to that? No, because they look at their parent and go, well, you're a hypocrite because you're telling me not to smoke, but you're smoking. You tell me not to steal, but you're stealing. 
You tell me not to cheat and lie, but you're cheating and lying. You see, what we do is what influences on our children, not what we say. The only way what we say can influence our children in a positive way is when it's backed up by what we do. And that's what he's talking about here. Our iniquity, our sin can affect even to the third and fourth generation, not because God's vindictive, but because of the consequences of sin. It will change our children's perspective on the world. It will change their dedication. Listen, if, if anything else, okay, as long as you and I as parents stay true and faithful to God and we serve God and we love God, if our parent, I mean, if our children choose to go astray and choose not to serve God, it's 100% on them. It's not going to be on you and I because we stayed true to God. We gave them the example that they needed to see and the example that they should have followed and they're going to, they're going to make their own decisions in life. But they can't say, well, it's because dad, he, you know, he lied and cheated and he did this and he did that or because mom did this or mom did that. It'll be because they made their own choices. Okay, so we have to stay faithful to God because that will affect our children and our families. And not only that, but it'll affect our, our brothers and sisters. It'll affect our friends and our neighbors. What we do affects every person that knows us. All right, verse number six, Isaac dwelt in Gerar, and the men of the place asked him of his wife, and he said, she is my sister. For he feared to say, she is my wife, lest, said he, the men of the place should kill me for Rebekah, because she was fair to look upon. So Isaac had the same problem that Abraham had, in the fact that he had an extremely beautiful wife. What a tragedy. <laughs> what a burden for these men to bear. They had to carry that load all their lives. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. That's uh, with the Philistines. He did the same thing that Abraham did. And Abraham did it twice. He did it in chapter 12 and he did it in chapter 20. So Abraham... Uh, lied to Pharaoh about Sarah being his sister, and he lied to the then Abimelech uh, about Sarah being his sister. So now, once again, what did we just say? The influence that we have on our children. Right here, Isaac does the exact same thing that his father did. It's actually a worse lie because Sarah actually was Abraham's half-sister. Now, Rebekah was not Isaac's sister at all. He was, she was actually his cousin. I think second cousin or whatever. But anyway, he wasn't, uh, she wasn't his half-sister at all. So it was a greater lie. <clears throat> uh, he was afraid and thought that they would kill him. Um, as parents, we have to be careful with what we do and say because of the influence we have on our children. Think about this. Would Isaac had ever even thought about telling somebody that Rebecca was his sister had he not heard the stories and knew that his father had did the same thing? Where did he get this idea to lie about his wife and say it was his sister? Well, he got it from his dad. That's where he got it. His dad did it twice. 
And Isaac did it once. Well, how did that work out for Abraham? It didn't work out either time he did it. <laughs> okay? It, it hurt him in a couple of ways. First of all, you know, and listen, what it did for Abraham, it caused his wife and his family to lose a little bit of respect for him because he feared man more than he feared God. Listen, Abraham's a great man, but he wasn't perfect. Neither are you and I. And that's what I love about the scripture, and that's what I love about God's word, is God does not sugarcoat things for us. He, he tells us the greatness of Abraham, but he also tells us the faults of Abraham. He tells us the greatness of King David, but he tells us the faults of King David. All the men and women of the Bible, God doesn't just tell us all the great things they did and uh, hide the mistakes that they made. God tells us all of it, which he does that for a reason so that we know, look, we're human. We make mistakes. They're, they were human. They made, listen, Abraham, uh, Isaac, Jacob, they were all, uh, Noah, Moses, they were all greater Christians than probably any of us are, but yet they made mistakes. David said David was a man after God's own heart, but he committed adultery and murder. So, you know, even the great King David made mistakes. Um, Isaac probably never even would have thought about lying about this had he not known that his father did it. Verse number eight, it came to pass when he had been there a long time that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out a window and saw and behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebekah, his wife. Uh oh. So it says that after he had been there a long time. So Isaac was able to uh, keep this secret hidden for quite a while until Abimelech looked out and lo and behold, there was Isaac sporting with his wife. Now that word sporting actually means um, to laugh or play. Now we know that they, Isaac wasn't sitting there just telling jokes and they weren't tossing a ball back and forth, okay? We, 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 even though the word means to laugh or play, I think you and I, we all know what the implication here means. They were doing something that only a man would do with his wife. Now, maybe they were hugging and kissing, whatever they were doing. It wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have been doing it with his sister. So when Abimelech saw this, he knew that Isaac had lied to him. In verse number nine, and Abimelech called Isaac and said, behold of a surety, she is thy wife. And how saidst thou, she is my sister? And Isaac said unto him, Because I said, lest I die for her. Verse 10, And Abimelech said, What is this that thou hast done unto us? One of the people might lightly have lined with thy wife, and thou shouldest have brought guiltiness upon us. So what is... Abimelech reacts exactly the same way that Pharaoh did when Abraham lied to him and exactly the way the Abimelech in chapter 20 did when Abraham lied to him, he said, why have you done this to us? Once again, we go back to people say, well, my life, whether I sin or whether I don't, doesn't affect anybody else. Oh, yes, it does. It 100% affects other people. <clears throat> How we live our uh, a life 
affects those around us in a great way. So Abimelech said, what, what have you done? You could have caused somebody else to sin. Is how we live our life, could that cause somebody else to sin? Absolutely it could. Absolutely. So then what does Abimelech do? He charged all his people saying, he that touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. So who all knew that, uh, that uh, Isaac, the servant of the true and living God, had lied about his wife? Every single person in the kingdom. Who all knew that Abraham lied to Pharaoh? Every single person in Egypt. Because if you remember, Pharaoh showed him the door. <laughs> Pharaoh took his army and escorted Abraham to the border and said, keep going. And Abimelech, in chapter 20, allowed Abraham to stay, but also made a similar decree. So here, everybody in the kingdom knew that Isaac had lied. <clears throat> now, he was able to hide this for a while, but it would come to find, it was found out. Numbers chapter 32, verse 23. But if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Abimelech confronted Isaac, and Isaac said, Well, it's because I was afraid that I'd be put to death. Now, verse number 12 uh, Isaac sowed in the land and received in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. So, Isaac then, he stayed. Abimelech allowed him to stay. So he actually planted a crop and it came back a hundredfold. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever been farmers or ever have a garden, but to, to plant or sow and receive a hundredfold, that's pretty darn good. That was a good year, okay, to get a hundred times more uh, than what you planted. <clears throat> And verse number 13, now the, Isaac just was caught in a lie and his lie was exposed to everybody in the kingdom. And right after that, he planted and he received a hundredfold. And then in verse 13, it says, and the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. Once again, why was Isaac blessed? Because of Abraham, his father. Isaac made a mistake, he lied, but even though he lied, God still continued to bless him and continued to make him great, blessed him with wealth and prosperity. Why? Because Isaac was a good godly man? No, he blessed him because God fulfills his covenant no matter what. And God told Isaac that he would be with him and that he would bless him because of the faithfulness of his father Abraham. Now he became very great. Verse 14, for he had possession of flocks and possession of herds and a great store of servants. And what does it say? And the Philistines envied him. They envied him. They envied him because of his prosperity. Not only that, but think about it. They all knew that he lied, but then he's still prosperous. 
You ever had anybody like that in your life? They didn't do the right thing, but it seems like everything goes their way. Right. <laughs> seems like they get everything handed to them. Right. You, you and I have to work hard, but they just, they get promoted. They get jobs. They get, you know, I, I've known people that uh, <clears throat> it seems like if they just decide to change jobs or whatever, they, they get a job making a lot more money. And, and it's like, how do they do that? How, how do they just decide to leave their job and not work for five or six months and then get a job making a lot more money than they were making before? How does that happen? Right. You know, how does, how does somebody hire somebody that hadn't worked for six months? I don't know. But I've seen that happen to people. But here's the thing. They envied him not because of his greatness as a person, but because of his wealth and prosperity. <clears throat> um, here's, here's the thing that we have to understand. The blessings of God are not, first of all, not always manifested in wealth, um, says that he was prosperous and became very great. Even though Isaac was not perfect, God still blessed him. Um, Isaac was envied by the Philistines because of all his blessings. Here's the thing. I'm sure they looked at Isaac and said, why does everything, everything seem to work out for him? The question is, do you think anybody says that about you? Uh, we have to remember that the blessings of God are not always manifested by money and wealth. The other thing that we have to understand is most of the time people will be envious not because of or people will hold things against us not necessarily because of the things we do wrong but sometimes because of the blessings that God gives us. And here's the question. Have you and I ever felt that way? Ha listen. <clears throat> If somebody in your family gets a promotion at work, are we happy for them or are we a little bit envious? Well, why did, why, why did they get a promotion? I, I knew a mother one time that got very upset because her son, who was a teenager and a leader in the youth group, every time that she would go to church, people would come up and talk about it what a good boy her son was. You've got such a good son. He, he, he loves the Lord. He's such a good son. And you want to know what this mother said? She said, well, what about me? I'm the one that raised him. So she was offended that her son was getting accolades and getting praise because she felt like she was the one that should have been getting the praise. Now, if we all honest with ourselves, at one point or another in our lives, we felt the same way about how God has blessed somebody else. Well, why do they get that? Why did they get a new car? God, I work for you. I serve you. I do. I, I, I work harder than they do. I do more at the church than they do. How come they got a new car? I wanted a new car. How come they got that, a good deal on that house? How, how come they got that good job? We've all felt that, haven't we? if we be honest with ourselves. But we have to remind ourselves because we are children of God and we're a family of God, whether, whether something good happens to me or whether it happens to any of my brothers and sisters in Christ, 
we should be more happy when God blesses somebody else than we are when God blesses us. If something happens great to Pastor Gary or to one of the deacons or to anybody else in this church, we should be excited for them. We should be happy for them. We should thank God for the blessings that he's poured out on their life. Even if we secretly in the back of our mind think, I'd like to have that same blessing, Lord. <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you give me that blessing too? I'd, I'll get in line for that blessing. We have to remember God blesses those and blesses us all in different ways. Now, uh, so they envied him. Verse 15, uh, for all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham, his father, the Philistines, had stopped them and filled them with earth. So after Abraham died, what did the Philistines do? They went out. Listen, digging a well is not like it is today, right? I mean, it cost us two or $3,000, but we get a company to come out, and they get a big old truck, and they'll put this thing up. They'll drill a hole in the ground, and in less than a half a day, they'll have us a well dug. That wasn't the way it was. You're talking about shovels and picks and digging down into the dirt and having to have a ladder to climb out. And not only that, but once you get down so far, now you've got buckets on ropes to get the dirt out. Digging a well was a long, drawn-out process. It wasn't something that happened in a day. It happened in, over the course of months. Okay, so remember that. But after Abraham died, what did the Philistines do? They went out to all the wells that Abraham dug, and they filled them in. We'll show him. <laughs> um, verse 16, And Bimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. And Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. So here Abimelech comes to Isaac. God has blessed him. He has grown to have herds and flocks. He, everything he plants comes back a hundredfold. God is blessing him on top of blessing. And Abimelech actually becomes intimidated and in fear of him because he may try to overthrow me and take over the entire kingdom. So he goes to Isaac and very politely but very bluntly asks him to leave. Say, you need to go. Not because he had sinned, okay? When he sinned and lied, he wasn't thrown out. But because of the blessings of God. Listen, folks, if God blesses your life, there will be people that resent you and envy you and hate you simply because God has blessed your life. And unfortunately, sometimes that is fellow Christians. I have seen families fall apart because one uh, one of the children got a good job and started doing well and, and had nice things and the other children envied them and hated them not because they did anything to them, not because they cheated them, but just because they had nicer things than they did so they turned their back on their brother or their sister and that was in a family. And all of us have probably seen that. People will hate you and envy you if you get ahead in this world. Even look at society, okay? If you have a person, okay, that is a good moral person. We're not even talking about a Christian, okay? But if you have a person in society that's a good moral person, you have a senator or a governor or a congressman that, that is a good moral person and wants to do the right thing, 
people and newspapers and news uh, channels will, will dig into their background and will look for anything and everything they can because they want to bring down the person that is good. But you let somebody be evil and wicked and we just overlook what they do, right? If there's, if there's a politician that's a lying, cheating politician, we say, oh, well, all politicians are that way. They all cheat and lie. But you let, the, you let the politician that is a good moral person get caught in a lie. And nobody says, well, all politicians lie. Nobody says that. They love to see a godly person fall on their face. That's what the world loves to see. And they will make a spectacle of it. At the same time, they will overlook things ten times as bad that other people are doing. Because they want to see the godly man and the godly woman get cut down or brought down uh, to size. Now, uh, Isaac departed in verse number 17, verse number 18. Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. And the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. And the herdmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well Essek, because they strove with him. So what did Isaac do? When, when he digged this well, it wasn't just a well of water. It was a well of springing up water. So th this was water that was just like overflowing. Th this was abundance of water. And what did the Philistine herdmen do? They didn't dig the well, but they come up and they said, oh, whoa, 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 no, 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 this is our water. This is our water. It was the well that they filled in. <laughs> it was Abraham's well. They filled it in, and then when Isaac redug the well, they said, no, 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 this is ours. So what did Isaac do? Did he fight with them? Did he arm his men? Did he, did he stand his ground? Nope. He did exactly what God tells us to do. He turned the other cheek. He said, okay, you can have it and went on. And what did he do? <clears throat> he digged, uh, and they digged another well, verse 21, and they strove for that one also. And he removed from thence and digged another well, and for that they strove not. So he dug a well. They, they said, no, this is ours. So he gave it to them. He went over and dug another well. They said, no, no, that one's ours too. So what did he do? He just walked away and he went and dug another one. Now that one, it says they strove not for. So apparently he kept moving on until he got so far out of, out of their reach that they had no desire to take that one away from him. Now, we got to understand too, God wants us to separate from the world. So God wanted Isaac to get further away from the Philistines so he, that's why that he kept having the herdmen claim the wells but, so that Isaac would continue to have to go farther and farther away until he got to the point that he was far, far enough away because what happens, okay? Was he worried, was God worried about Isaac influencing the Philistines and the people of Gerar in a negative way? Nope. What he was worried about was the Philistines and the people of Gerar corrupting Isaac's family in a negative way. 
That's why the Bible says, come out from them, be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. It's not because he thinks that we are going to have a negative influence on the world. It's because the world is going to have a negative influence on us and upon our children. All right. Um, verse 22, and they strove not, and he called the name of it Rehoboth and said, for now the Lord hath made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. And he went up from thence to Beersheba. And the Lord appeared unto him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bless thee and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. So he says, he didn't say I'm going to bless you because you're such a great man. He said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to be with you because, uh, uh, because of the sake of Abraham, my servant. And verse 25, and he builded an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there and there Isaac's servants digged a well. Now there's a couple of things. First of all, the first thing that um, Isaac did, okay, so I'm not saying Isaac wasn't a godly man. What I'm saying is he wasn't the man his father was, okay? And we see that because there was many chapters dedicated to Abraham. There's many, many chapters dedicated to Jacob, but there's only like two chapters, maybe three here that even refer and talk about Isaac. So what did Isaac do in his life? He didn't really do any great, wonderful things, but then again, he didn't do any great, bad things either, right? So he wasn't a bad person, uh, but he wasn't nearly as dedicated probably as his father was. And God said, I'll bless thee for my servant Abraham's sake. And after that, when, when God blessed Isaac and he blessed him for, because of the sake of his father, what did he do? First thing he did was build an altar. So when we receive the blessings of God, the very first thing that we should do is worship and praise God and give him thanks for what he's done in our lives. The second thing that he did was he, it was he pitched a tent, okay? Before he decided to stay, and the third thing he did was dug a well. So before he decided to live there, before he dug a well, and digging a well is a, is a long, drawn-out process, and you don't go through that process unless you're planning on staying, okay? You don't dig a well because you're only going to be there a few weeks, you dig a well, and that's, that's another important thing, that when, when Isaac dug these wells and then the herdmen of Gerar took them away from him, Isaac was planning on staying there. That's where he was going to build his life, but he had to move on. And here he, he first, he gave thanks to God, then he, built, he pitched a tent, then he dug a well. Uh, verse 26, now, Abimelech, threw Isaac out, sent him away. They took away his first two uh, wells that he dug. That, that was his father Abraham's wells. And now Isaac is out on his own and Isaac is starting to dig a well. He praises God. And what happens? Verse 26, Abimelech went to him from Gerar and Ahuzath, one of his friends, and Phicol, the chief captain of his army. So here comes Abimelech, one of Abimelech's wealthy, influenceable friends, and the chief captain of his army, so the general. And what does he do? He says, uh, uh, And Isaac said unto them, verse 27, Wherefore come ye to me, seeing that you hate me, and you've sent me away from you? He said, you, you ran me off and you hate me and you threw me out. Now here you are. So what, what are you doing coming to me? What, what do you want in a sense? 
And verse number 28, they said, what a great testimony. They said, we saw certainly that the Lord was with thee. And we said, let there be now an oath betwixt us, even betwixt us and thee, and let's make us a covenant with thee. What a great compliment it would be for the world, a lost person, to say to you and I, I can see the hand of God on your life. It's one thing for a fellow Christian to say, I can see the hand of God on your life. But when the lost world can look at you and I and can say, God's blessing them, that is a testimony, not of our greatness, but of God's greatness. <clears throat> and what, how did Isaac respond to this? The question is, how would you respond to it? Somebody throws you out and then comes to you and says, by the way, I want us to make a covenant that we be friends, that, that you not try to attack and, and take anything away. What would you say if somebody threw you out and then come and tried to make up? Well, what did Isaac do? Verse 29, and that will do us, oh, and they said that thou will do us no hurt as we have not touched you and we have done unto thee nothing but good. Can you imagine that? Nothing but good and have sent thee away in peace. Thou art now the blessed of the Lord. They came, listen, the gall of these people. They threw Isaac out, told him to leave and then came and said, well, we didn't do anything but good for you. We sent you away in peace. What are they saying? We could have killed you. We did nothing. But, have you ever had somebody do that to you? Mistreat you, cheat you, and then forget all the bad things that they did for you and want something from you? That's exactly what they did. They came to him and said, well, we've never done anything but good to you. Anybody ever done that to you? Anybody ever mistreated you? talked bad about you, stabbed you in the back, and then when they need something from you, they show up and they say, well, I've never done anything but good to you. Every one of us have had somebody do that to us, haven't we? That th as, long as, as long as we're blessed and they're not, they are envious and they hate us. But as soon as they need something from us, all of a sudden, they're our best friend. Oh, goodness, I'm at time. <clears throat> I knew, I knew, uh, I was in this organization one time with a couple of people, and I knew they were so hateful and so mean and so rude. I knew when they called me on the phone and they were being nice that they wanted something. Because that was the only time they were nice, is when they needed you to do something for them. If they didn't, if they didn't want something, they were their old hateful, mean self. But I knew as soon as I answered the phone, they go, hey, Terry, how are you? Are you doing well? I knew as soon as I, they were being nice, they were getting ready to ask me for something. And we've all probably seen those kind of people. And that's how these people were right here. So ultimately, Isaac does make a covenant with them. Uh, and um, makes that covenant and agrees uh, to be in a covenant. 